You know that thing about the Chinese word for change and opportunity being one and the same? Well, linguistically, that's not true. But that story sticks around because the underlying idea is true. With change comes disruption for some and off-the-chart success for others. I'm Josh Christ, and today I'm happy to have Walter Porter, Deloitte healthcare analyst extraordinaire, with me on the Workday podcast. He's going to talk about how healthcare leaders can not just survive, but thrive in a changing healthcare landscape. Welcome on the show, Walter. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, when we last spoke two years ago, right before you appeared on our Good Company video show, you mentioned ACA, MACRA, and the shift to value-based care. What else is new and how have those things turned out? Yeah, you know, I would tell you the, the you know, two-part question there, right? The, the new that is going on is really this uh, disruption or innovation uh, within healthcare. So, so a lot of organizations are asking themselves, how do they build the office of innovation? Uh, how do they become more digital? I've had the opportunity to participate on a number of panels with, with uh, leaders of health systems around the country, as well as health systems in, individually. And they're asking themselves, you know, how can we leverage technology to capture and retain um, customers? And I focus on that word, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But as well as reduce their back office uh, exposure or, or, or cost, really, at the end of the day. But back to the, the, your first question about ACA and MACRA, you know, I kind of call it the EMR hangover that, that's going on. EMR? E EMR hangover. Okay. Everybody went in and had to focus on their EMR, so through Epic or Cerner, or whatever that, that is, or whatever choice that they Electronic had. medical records. Most people exactly. would know what that is, yeah, but just in yeah, case. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Um, and had to focus on that. Now that they looked at that, they're realizing that they have not uh, devoted the time, the effort around their back office systems. And they're starting to, to really look at that. And they're saying, hey, you know, we've got a back office system we've had for 15 years in the same processes. That's, that's kind of one boat. The other boat is uh, we as a system came together through what I would call a holding company okay. and, and behaved as a holding company. And now that they've gone, gotten through that transition, they want to operate or they want to be more as an operating company. And a way to sustain that is really uh, through a common platform or through a common back office platform. So I, I think that that EMR hangover is causing people to really go back and look at their, the infrastructure that they have today. Okay, I like that. EMR hangover. Have you, have you trademarked that I, phrase I have yet? Not, I've thought about it, but unfortunately I stole it from someone else, so I can't say it. Uh -huh. so, okay. <laughs> um, and then as providers shift to value-based care, how are they changing how they operate? You just talked about these common platforms, but how do you see technology supporting these new requirements? So, it, the, you know, I still talk to systems that have multiple chart of accounts, yeah. um, an exacerbated number of job codes and positions. And, you know, there, it, 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 no one goes through a technology implementation for the sake of technology, right? right. But it's to get a consistent uh, set of financials or a consistent view or, or look at, at the organization. You know, I think, I think the other that, that we're going to see is just this overall and, and we're, we're seeing this now, really, an overall talent shortfall. Right. Uh, a lot of that's right. We're, we're talking about the, you know, the baby boomers make up so much uh, of, an, of the aging population that are going to seek care 
through for the next number of years and do we really have uh, the talent to support them right and so what is the way that you can quickly get the right talent in the door that's the first thing the second I would say is how do you have the right talent on the floor on the right day for the services that need to be rendered in that day so you know not so much getting getting folks in there that that can support care but looking at the acuity mix and asking ourselves, do we have the right support on the floor at the right time? Right, because obviously the more critical, the more the more critical the case is, the more you're going to need top flight surgeons. And the more it's just changing bandages, the more yeah, you're gonna need right. a different or, kind or of even worker. Or you know, certain RNs versus LPNs. I, I have a client right. that they have a dashboard and it lets them, it looks at the acuity that they have for that week, Okay. looks at their staffing and says, hey, here's how you're staffed against the procedures for the week, ah. you're doing well, green, yellow, you may want to, you know, move some shifts around, uh, red, you're going to have a problem and you're going to have to have agency costs this week, which we all want to avoid because agency costs is higher than our normal costs. Right. Uh, you know, and they, and they look at that and they hold the, the staffing managers or the departmental managers uh, accountable for those agency costs that, that are incurred. Right. And then that also ties into positive outcomes, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Great, great question, absolutely. Okay, um, and then back to the M&A, and I just was curious, do you ever say MMA for ultimate fighting? <laughs> I mean, because sometimes I, they can get a little rough. Not in healthcare, Okay. not in healthcare. All right, <laughs> and what are the biggest challenges and what do you advise when it comes to you know, going from a holding company to an operating company? It's, it's all about culture, right? And, it, and it's what culture is going to lead, and we've seen some significant mergers and acquisitions in early 18, late 17. Some of those are starting to come to fruition now, meaning that they really are, you know, they've gotten through the legal matter. They right. are one system, uh, but it really comes down to culture and, and, and bringing uh, those cultures together. And, and some okay. of those cultures can also be tied to uh, a back office ERP application. They, they may right. be very passionate about something that they built and, and they want to retain that. And that often becomes a, um, let's say an excited conversation okay. uh, about which system is retained or should they look for a, a new system, which, uh, you know, when you look at the cost of bringing two different ERPs together, it does beckon the question, well, that's a new implementation. That's not just a lift and shift from one to the other right. uh, as some of those new models are going to change. And to your, into your point, the operating model has changed for that organization too. So the processes that they've had to date are, are honestly no longer applicable and they really need to think about those new processes and you know how, how those are really gonna be embedded into their, into their technology. Right, so then do you advise just take a step back, look at your processes, look at your cultures and let's think of something new or I, Absolutely, I, I would, I would. I would also think about, I think you have to think about the communities that you serve and not necessarily from a care perspective, but also from a physician uh, competition perspective. And in this competitive environment, they could easily go across the street and serve another system. Right? Right. And, and so I think you have to be cognizant of the disruption that it can cause to the caregivers. I don't want to just leave physicians in there. I just want, I want to say caregivers as a whole and, and not upsetting them and, you know, and having them really be a part of the journey and, and really have a stake in the in-state processes that, that are going to support their departments or their delivered care. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what are they asking you? Because you, this is the kind of 
questions that people come to you with? What are they asking you as they consider how they transform their new or newly inherited organization? You know, it, it's kind of interesting. The first thing I get asked is, what are others doing? Ah. <laughs> and I have to remind them, you're actually kind of in a good group right now. Everybody's really looking at this. And, right. and so there's a lot of peering going on uh, right right now, I would say, uh, you know, whether it's standing up a shared service center, mm -hmm. whether it's building a center of expertise around a unique process, uh, you know, so, so what are those things? We're, we're also uh, getting folks that are looking at um, how do they close the books faster, right. which, you know, how do they get the right information to the right people in a faster times, and, th and that could come through closing the books faster, that could be getting information to the board, that could be getting information to physicians mm -hmm. uh, or, or caregivers on a, on a more timely basis, right? And, and then getting to a common answer. Right. Uh, a lot of times, uh, finance organizations can spend time refuting or, uh, or solving questions that departments have come up with different analysis of the data, uh, which, which could be wrong, sometimes it's right, but that's not where their time should be, right? Right. Um, you know, also, I, I uh, was having this conversation with someone else, and sorry if it upsets any accountants out there, right? But don't, uh, someone said, don't let perfection be the enemy of good. And a lot of times they spend so much time reconciling and analyzing to the penny that the answer would not cause them to make a different decision at the end of the day. I'm not saying that your books don't have to be balanced. Right. I, I will, I will being a part of an accounting firm, I will wholeheartedly say your books have to be balanced. Right. But the effort to go through that, I think, needs to be evaluated. And if you're reconciling one count to an opinion, and it's a balance sheet account, and it doesn't cause you to make a different business decision at the end of the day, I, I think you have to ask yourself, was it, was it worth the effort to get there? Right. Could we have leveraged those resources in other areas to say, you know, should we be in a certain line of business? Right. Uh, or is that line of business profitable? Or should we double down on that line of business, right? So th those sort of things. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. And I know that you've touched a little bit on consumerism mm -hmm. of healthcare. And, and last time when you were on our video program, In Good Company, uh, you talked about some of the trends you're seeing in consumerism and, and these different types of care models that are popping up. I believe you referenced sports medicine yeah. for youth yeah. sports yeah. players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, are you, what are you seeing there? And then also, what are providers doing at the operational level to support this consumerism? Yeah, you know, it's, I, have a, uh, I have a client that has partnered uh, with, with Lyft, not to give a Lyft shout out versus Uber, just an example. They've actually partnered with Lyft as they, as uh, I think there was a stat last year that three million Americans missed office visits last year, and a lot of folks, a lot of you know patients, cannot get to care because right. of uh, transportation. They, they just, just transportation cost their support network. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I also saw the other day the demographics of care are going to change as well, right? I mean, we, we think about the demographic of the country and, and, and who seeks care uh, proactively. Now, it's not going to be that same group. And, and it's going to be a group that has not sought care right. and only went to go see, s seek care when it was an emergent episode. Right. And, and so because of that, uh, I think that's going to cause us to have to think about how do we get ahead of that group and, and, and get out in front of them and actually proactively 
uh, provide care to them. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, these well, well-being well clinics. Yeah, yeah. Right? Have, and, yeah. And, and so those have really taken the place or maybe additive to um, emergency rooms and uh in urgent care sort of situations, but really trying to help a population get ahead of their care. Are they watching um, their, uh, you know, if they're diabetic, are they watching, you know, their insulin levels, sugar levels? And then also helping patients in that kind of that same group build a care network around them. So my grandfather uh, is 92. Wow. Uh, fought in both wars. Wow. You know, still eats red meat, loves a good bourbon because we're from Kentucky. And just yesterday, I was alerted that uh, that we had take him to the hospital or that he was taken to the hospital. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Is what I was saying. No, thanks. And, and um, so, but I got that alert via this system or this technology that we have around the house. And we are, my brother, my dad, uh, my aunt, or are his care network. Wow. And so we're alerted uh, whenever he either, we're alerted from his results, right. per se, at, at, a, at a level that, you know, that, that the organ is, that the provider is willing to share. Right. We're also alerted, obviously, when he is taken to the emergency room. And, you know, and, and, and so that's another way I think that technology is, is, playing, is playing a part. Uh, we, we have very much, you know, uh, the, the organization that he goes to doesn't necessarily use Uber or Lyft, but we know that there are certain days that he has hospital visits. Right. And we will arrange car service to take him to the hospital visit uh, because we're all alerted. Or uh, I don't live there. My brother, uh, you know, thank God for him and my father live there so they can get him to, you know, uh, his visits when he needs to. But, you know, that's another way that, that technology is, is playing a role. And like I said, that is very much a group that just did not seek care uh, unless it was emergent for them. That's amazing. That's great. Um, and then kind of coming back, you know, circling back to our intro, talking about change being opportunity. How can providers take advantage of change to discover new opportunities? Yeah, yeah great, great question. Um, I think you almost have to build really a, what I would call a digital transformation office or the office of innovation. And it, and it can't be something that, uh, that organizations do in their spare time. You okay. really got to devote time to this. And, and, you, and one, at the operations level, the, the leadership level, and also at the board level. The board must be committed to this because the board's going to say, we're going to take away investment Mm -hmm. from a new hospital and focus on the Office of Innovation and really be committed to it. I'll tell you, there's also a number of health systems that are looking, or that I shouldn't even say looking, that have already partnered mm -hmm. with uh, some of these new technology companies that are building very niche apps, Okay. Uh, whatever they may be around, you know, uh, do I use an app for uh, being able to talk to a caregiver? Do I use an app for being able to schedule um, schedule a procedure, not a procedure, but a visit. Obviously, okay. you can schedule a procedure, but but a visit. And but they're partnering with those technology firms. They're actually taking equity stake in those wow. technology firms. So kind of making a bet on them. So they're really uh, putting a stake, they're, they're really literally, putting, yeah, in the future. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And and you know, so as those technology firms, albeit small now, right. uh, have upside, the health systems are going to benefit from that as, as well. So that that partnering is getting to be very, very interesting, I, I would say. 
Yeah, okay, that's really interesting. Um, and then just to kind of close out, as far as opportunities, you already hit on some, but what are the big ones that you see coming down the road the next two or three years? I'm just going to group this in what I say, in what I call automation. Okay. Automation is going to play a big role. Uh, whether it's around back office processes, there's a new uh, concept that's around care traffic control. So really saying, hey, looking at the beds that we have in place, are we using those beds in the right manner? Are there certain discharges that we could push through? And, and a lot of that comes through RPA or, or cognitive or AI, but okay. I think automation is really gonna be the next, the next big thing. So really keep your eyes open on what's going on there. Absolutely. And how you can use it. Absolutely. Potentially. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks, Walter, for sharing your thoughts and your time with our listeners. This is Josh Chris with the Workday Podcast, signing off. All right, thanks.